Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer Damien Kelter, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, Author of, It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And monthly co-host, Kat Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. If you are interested in contributing to the show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there, if it's actually working. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Dr. Allison Kay. Thanks for coming on. Hi. I almost I'm forgot. I almost forgot who I was interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so let me slip in the middle initial J because there's four books of mine that are international bestsellers on Amazon, but there's Allison K's spelled the same way that don't write about what I do. So you got to slide in that middle initial J, you guys, if you want to find me on Amazon or my books. I'm glad to be here with you, Gary. I like what we were just talking about. Well, saying uh, yeah, about how yeah. everything has been out of alignment for me. Mm-hmm. Bad, really bad. In fact, I would say Friday, my entire life fell apart. Really? Well, and I, well, more like I fell apart. It was absolutely bizarre. I'll, 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 I'll put it out there. I'll, I'll share some of my personal life. I was dating a girl for about three months. For three months is like a long time for me, and uh, and I took her to the boardwalk. I'm walking on the boardwalk, and things were kind of weird. So I asked her if she was seeing someone else, and she said, "Yeah." And I was like, "Well, it's been three months. You know, who do you like better?" And she couldn't decide. So I said, "All right, I'm done. I'm out." And uh, we go. To, I'll take you home. So we go to my car. I go to put my car in to drive. It got stuck in neutral. <laughs> So here I am stuck with a girl that I just broke up with and my car is broken down. So she ends up taking the lift home. I wait three <laughs> hours to come to get my car. I go home. I'm okay. The next day I wake up and I am an emotional disaster. The entire day. I couldn't even function. I'm like, okay, this is really kind of weird because this isn't like me. The next day, same thing. The following day. A little bit better. Today, I'm finally back to normal. But I still don't have a car. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so what is wrong with my alignment, man? Like, 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 where did I screw up? Hey, now, hold on a second. Um, so my first book's title is What If There's Nothing Wrong? And it's titled that for layered reasons. But one of the primary reasons is the nature of the ego mind. So I am a certified yoga teacher trained in India. I lived in Asia for 10 years studying subtle energy, energy medicine, and consciousness. I had already been um, having a robust practice um, prior to moving there. That's a great part why I chose Asia. 
I was a teacher in, interna in the international school system and I was running the energy medicine sessions on the side and uh, dropped that when I came back to the States in 2010. So, um, and do this full time. And so why I give you that tiny bit of background is so that you understand that the term ego mind is an official term used by Buddhism, used by meditating um, teachings. And there is there are aspects to the ego mind that are for everybody, no matter your culture, your age, your gender, your language. The nature of the ego mind is one of the things you just asked, is that framing of it almost the, if not the exact opposite of what our higher self and or the universe or the divine, however you want to frame it, um, view an event. So whereas your small myopic mind that we all have, each of us, the ego mind is framing it as something's bad, something's wrong. What I see and what I heard and what I perceived intuitively was, Gary, you are strengthening your um, self-respect. And so you had to go through that action of, hey, now, if you can't decide, I'll decide for you. No, thank you. So that behavior, that choice, that energy you anchored in is going to help you moving forward. You just went through a growth spurt, frankly. Now, it's the divine sense of humor with the car going into neutral and breaking down, but it was so that you would notice it, that you are wanting to get out of neutral with yourself and relationships. Oh, ah, there's oh. the aha. Look at your face. <laughs> yeah. And you did. But the universe wanted to make sure you noticed it. it, it and so the mind has, the ego mind has this way of, of clocking, blocking out, I should say, the higher perspectives. And so the, the uh, book cover, what if there's nothing wrong? The picture is a woman sitting on top of a mountain. So I used to say, take the mountaintop perspective. Nowadays, I say, take the satellite perspective, because we are in an amazing time. From 2012 to 2032, we're considered in humanity's greatest evolutionary leap. So my second book, Vibration Upgrade, A Conspiracy for Your Bliss, the subtitle, my publisher, because he knows my work, has received my work, he made sure I included, which is Easing Humanity's Evolutionary Transition. And... I say that because this is like around 2010, some of the more advanced folks may have had a couple of crises happen all together, job loss, death of a loved one, um, divorce, health diagnosis. And that started to happen for the masses in 2012. So another, and I used to have my own radio show uh, weekly with Voice America and it was focused, they asked me to do a show focused mm -hmm. on the galactic alignment in December 21st, 2012. I started it in 2011. Now, I had been doing nothing in my business, public facing with the mind background, except privately, I had been taking VIP clients because I live on the west coast of Florida, across the Gulf of Mexico, right there in the Yucatan and going to some of the primary Mayan ruins. Um, so I said yes, because it was highly intuitive. I waited for 48 hours and then told them yes. And as I had that show, I interviewed a bunch of specialists about what does this mean, this 2012 marker? And the Mayans weren't the only ones. The uh, Yogi Bhajan talks about it. In the yogic background, we ended one yuga, which means age or era, mm -hmm. in 2012 and began a new one. Nostradamus oh. predicted this. So this just a few examples of, the, uh, of various schools of thought that have understood 2012 was a marker. And so there's a 20-year window up till 2032 that we are 
just edging over halfway through right now. So it's also called Humanity Spiritual Awakening. And what I saw and what's fielding so much in my business from like 2012 onward were people coming in saying, I feel this gray cloud around me, or I feel like I have, I have tinnitus, or I have food allergies all of a sudden, or um, I can feel everybody else's negative energy. And I don't know how to deal with it. Uh, and I can't block it, or I need protection because I always feel here and feel this negative energy. So I'm all about taking this information about the vast universe and grounding it into our daily lives like we just did. So mm-hmm. it's a rough time. And, and I feel like and it's an intense time, but it's highly auspicious because we're meant to be evolving now into what is ultimately going to be like a golden age, believe it or not. So like we see signs of it. COVID, for example, I'm not going to go into it because I've been talking about this cleansing time since 2011 or even um, a bit more than that, because whenever we heal something, whenever we move beyond an old pattern, frequently the way a system releases a pattern in consciousness that then results in behavior and physical bodily stuff, if it's allowed to go out that far, is it's like a fever peaking before it breaks. So COVID was that. There weren't enough people doing enough cleansing of the ego mind and of their consciousness that then this was needed. But if you look at during COVID, you see like the abundance, the checks that people got for doing nothing, for staying at home. That There's a new concept that I talk about called abundance for all. And as crazy as that sounds, you can look at Bitcoin currency. You can look at what people are doing with NFTs inside of the gaming environment and how they buy like a gas station, the people gaming pay money to fill it up in Bitcoin, and then that gets converted into tangible money. So like there's this new way of working with money. There's a new way of understanding that stuff that happens around me isn't because life is happening to me. It's actually showing up the way it is because all of life is happening for me. I just need to get more clear in my consciousness so that my choices become more mindful. And I would say you made a heck of a mindful choice. By breaking up with her, I did. But then, what about the the the, the four day meltdown afterwards? It made no sense because I mean, I that did do something that was healthy. Yes, and um, part of why I feel confident beyond my intuitive hit, which is where I used, like in understanding cancer and what was going to happen, and understanding physical bodily pain and what was going to happen, including something like yours, all the way to something like what you're asking me now. This intuition has been ridiculously reliable. And aside from my intuition, just reading the signs of how this stuff works, this is a bigger leap for you. This is meaningful within your own personal evolution. Hence, the four-day meltdown afterwards. If there had been nothing afterwards, Gary, you would not have been making that big of a leap for you hmm. in your own soul's evolution. So you, you understand that, yeah? I do. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a great thing, man. Congratulations on the growth you just went through. Thanks, I appreciate it. <laughs> even, even, even though that last four day part didn't feel that good, sure. <laughs> and I still so, want my car back. <laughs> I want you to have your car back. You know, or, or like, is this now a time for you to be choosing a different car? No, I'm never getting rid of my Jeep. Ever. Oh, you have a Jeep. Jeep Wrangler. And I'm. Oh, you have I'm, a Jeep Wrangler. What color? Blue. What, navy blue or light blue, sky blue, indigo? Uh, it's like a navy blue. In what year? 2010. Does it have a removable roof? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to keep that puppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm keeping that car forever. I mean, it's paid for. I love it. 
All right, so we confirm that choice. You want to keep that car. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so I, you could ask a question, right? So the way the ego mind works is so many conclusions. Like it likes to know stuff. And I know I sound like I know stuff, but I live my life. I'm in an interview environment, so I'm giving information. <laughs> but I live my life asking questions because nature pours a vacuum, right? Mm-hmm. So if I, might, if I go around thinking I know stuff, about this is what this means, this is how this goes, then that's a, do- like I used to lead workshops and, and do this, like I, when I'm talking about question versus um, knowing stuff. The ego mind's nature is to keep us protected against the unknown. Lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, and then the adrenals kick in to either go into fight or flight. So we have that inherent wiring to us when presented with the new or the unknown. So the ego mind clasps down in um, conclusions of I need to keep you safe. So it likes to know. It li- that's its basis. It, it wants to know instead of living in question because it doesn't. it's meant to protect against the unknown. So becoming more mindful happens when I run energy medicine, light or verbal clearings and activations to release some of that back of the house consciousness that's blocked down in the unconscious and subconscious with beliefs so if you have a pattern in your life of things being harder for you than like your brother or sister, for example, mm-hmm. then your ego mind's going to have that conclusion being a modus operandi for your choices. Uh, see, and so they're going to end up being harder. So what I'm saying is, is that in the process of you concluding that this is bad, one way to get more access to more of the higher self's information and guidance in the universes or the divines is to say, what does this mean? How is this helping me? So the door isn't closed because you're not sitting there knowing something. You're inviting with the door opening with the question to the universe, bring in the guidance. Like when I train my vibration upgrade students, I talk to them about like, you can talk to your, 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 your guidance. Like if you're getting a clear sentience um, feeling and you don't have an understanding of what that feeling means on behalf of the client you're working with, ask, wait, pause, and then you'll probably get clairvoyance or clear audience. And then if that still doesn't clarify the intuitive hit, ask for more information. So it's just a phenomenal way to live. It's it's really kind of radical compared to how the average person lives. And it is hard to be aligned right now because we are meant to be evolving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, I, I believe that's why there's so much more interest in these type of topics. I mean, that's why my podcast is doing so good because there's so so many more people interested in, interested in hearing about all the different forms of raising consciousness. You know, yeah. Um, I'm still just blown away by the symbolism that you picked up about my Jeep being stuck. <laughs> you know. Like maybe that's – I mean that must be it. I, I guess I was stuck. You feel lighter. Look at and you. Now, Don't you feel and now, and now I'm not stuck anymore because I've gotten myself out of that thinking. I stood up for myself and I've yes. released all that, that crappy emotion that I've been carrying. Yes. And to me that makes sense. Well, so – and you feel lighter. So I do. Yep. So that's something to pay attention to as well. And both uh, the traditional Chinese medical community as well as the yogic culture – they, un- they believe that the spirit resides in the heart chakra. So when we're feeling uplifted or we're feeling lighter about a choice, like, do I want to go to that workshop? Do I want to listen to this podcast? Do I want to date this person? Do I want to believe what she's saying or not? The 
lightness is your spirit talking. So when we're feeling heavy, there's lies going on within our own mind. Yeah. Anything that, this is a radical statement. Anything that feels heavy is a lie. Now I can't claim credit for that. I believe it comes from Gary Douglas of Access Consciousness. But you can notice it, and I inform that with my background and training with, like I just said, the heart chakra is there. And so if you feel lighter about something, it's as simple as that's your guidance. So you can know that what I said was true because you feel lighter. It moved energy. Absolutely it did. Yeah, hell yeah. Yay! You <laughs> should charge for that. You get it for free for the gift of being on your show, your podcast. <laughs> right? You know, I get I get a lot of help for free because of this podcast. I talk to all kinds of psychotherapists and healers and stuff. So <laughs> it's good stuff. It is. Um, so, Gary, I want to ask you if you were to answer this question, what would you say? Like, where do you see people having the biggest difficulty right now? Judgment. I think there's a big issue with people holding judgment against other people and not recognizing oneness. And I also think um, or that there needs to be some type of realization that everybody can be loved and cared for. Oh, Amen. And so more to be. So you just named qualities that I talk about in my third book called Reasonable Dragons. That's the only one on audio um, where logical magic is the new norm and you're connecting to the field of unlimited possibilities. Logical magic. And in that, plus including in my second book too, I I talk a lot about what this new golden era is going to look like, but I go into it in depth about unity in that third book, Reasonable Dragons. Judgment cuts, slices, separates. It's the exact opposite of the unity vibration Mm -hmm. or action. So what we're seeing right now is a fever peaking before it breaks example. Yeah, that's what I think it is. It's it's fear. That's that's like like the purpose of fear is to divide people and create judgment. Well, the mind, the mind, the ego mind is naturally judgmental. That's its role, man. I mean, like if I'm in Asia and I'm out of fruit market and I'm with a colleague, this is a t- true story, and we're in our first months there and we see an exotic fruit that we don't know what it is. I watched my mind go into, okay, what does it look like? What's familiar to it? Pear, looks like a pear, I know that. But I'm in Asia. Oh, Asian pear. So the mind goes with those files based on what it already knows, as I've said. But if you notice that act, it's producing a label. Mm-hmm. So the inherent nature of the ego mind is to label. But we don't, do we need that? Do we really need that anymore? I mean, <laughs> should we just like pick up the pear, lick it? Like it, it's good. If it tastes like garbage, yes. toss it and just forget about that whole ridiculous process, you know? Well, I feel like the more, from what I've seen in my own system, the more that I've released old stuff, whether that's from karma or it's from uh, trauma, not that I've had a lot, or it's from um, parental imprinting or societal conditioning. That's a big one for me because I've lived many times uh, as an expat outside our country um, for extended periods of time. And 
really immersed within the Chinese culture in Taiwan, I was able to really see the societal conditioning of my home country, USA, and then there. And so if so with me having more consciousness cleared, I don't judge as much, frankly. I don't label as much. I'm more in an accepting flow and allowing the nature of the entity in front of me or the person in front of me, whether it's the pair or a human like you, to just show me. So that that wall of separation I don't live with, I don't know that I... Yeah, when I was more eager mind before I meditated, I started meditating in 20, like at age 20. Um, yeah, I started kind of late. But, but definitely meditating changed my, my judgment, judging and my ego mind. Well, I feel like when you say judge, and this is the more common nomenclature for judge, there's an implication of negativity, right? Well, I don't know. I, I, I think when I use the word judge, I'm referring to differentiating this from that, which isn't really a necessary thing to do anymore. That's separation. That's non-unity, like you were saying. Um, okay, so you don't mean judge that is like, wow, you're judging me and that feels uncomfortable. I, I think it's sort of the same thing. I hear you. I'm distinguishing because I, I've noticed the cleaning of that. When I do all of these clearings and activations and, and raise my consciousness and I do it on others, that sense of... Um, almost like connection, like you have a vacuum connecting to your like throat or something. And that vacuum hose is open on the other end. And it's just like leaking in, pulling in negativity. Mm-hmm. So if some, yeah. So if somebody has, and thank you for following that. <laughs> if somebody has like a bunch of stuff that still isn't cleared from old stuff, then they notice more the negative. And then they project it, expecting it and projecting it back out onto right. reality and it perpetuates, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So I feel like that's, as I watch the people that work with me um, for longer times, I, I, I mean, they, 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 it's beautiful. That's gone. That like, that's cut. That vacuum that receives negativity and is attuned to negativity is gone. Cause I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, um, power structures in our societies that want to shut down the wildness of the human spirit. I agree with that. You know, it's, I I totally agree. Sometimes, um, you know, one of the things I focus on or, or I just feel internally is that one of the things that some of the things that we are really, um, make me feel better is reconnecting with nature is one totally, yeah. Um, maybe reconnecting also with 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 ancestry too. I think that's something yeah. that 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 helps us a lot that we yeah. are missing. Um, yeah, and just attuning to 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 nature and the stars and yeah. the earth and fire and water and just these simple things. Yeah. I don't find that many people let themselves live simply, though. Um, so one of the stark contrasts I had um, coming back to the States as I dropped the classroom teaching and administration career and professional training that I've been doing for 12 years and took the energy medicine and meditation full time 
was as I was starting a business, my own business for the first time, coupled with as I was back in America and had the worst culture shock ever from anywhere I've ever gone to. The reverse culture shock was, took me like, I'm still not totally over it. I never will be. But it took me about two years to remember what it's like to be in America and, and, and an American mm-hmm. and familiarize myself with that modus operandi that the cultural conditioning creates. Um, why am I saying this? Because I'm, I'm, I'm totally in energy right now. Uh, the complexity of our society in America, we make things more complicated as a culture. Um, in a way, like the, an example for understanding what I'm, why I'm saying that is in Taiwan, I could be taking my scooter. Now, I can get a scooter for under a grand, and I can fill up my tank on a scooter for a ridiculously low amount of money. Right. I don't have the car insurance. I don't have the big heavy vehicle around me. I don't have the repair costs because repair costs on a scooter are stupidly low, beautifully low, and I don't have the gas costs. So that in and of itself, a lot of the world lives where scooters um, are accepted and there's lanes for the scooter traffic aside the cars. But even when I'd be driving my scooter home from the gym after work and I'd stop at a blue truck on the side of the road to get my dinner. So I'd use these tongs and there'd be these baskets of veggies and, and tofu because I'm a vegetarian. Um, they were in this blue truck. So this blue truck would drive home at the end of the night and, and, and have like its stock taken out of the veggies. And the next day it would stock back up on the veggies and the tofu and the other gizzards and meat it was offering and the fryer's portable right there in the truck and drive up to that same spot and open up the, the, truck and that i mean i know we have food trucks now but they've been having it for decades over there so there's a lot and then even owning a business in america like i watch as i usher in and um my vibration upgrade practitioners and help them start a business as an energy medicine professional and applied mindfulness because that's what I, it is vibration upgrade system that i created it's from my two mm-hmm. backgrounds energy medicine and yoga meditation teacher um and like their first thought is I got to file as an LLC. You know, the first thought is procedural, formal steps to take. It's not like I'm excited to talk about what I want to be talking about. And, and so, yeah, it's more complex in our country. And, and I feel like we make, it's because like in living the contrast of over in Asia, there were monks in robes, different colors, depending on, you know, their tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were monasteries and there were huge statues of Buddhas and Guanyins everywhere. And for me as a Westerner going there, already having been a meditator and meditation teacher, it was a reminder of work on the inside. The inside's important. We don't have that here. We don't value that in the West. We don't have reminders of the value of tending to your consciousness and doing the work within. Hmm. So it allows the ego mind to um, roar and, and, and dominate. And so we, part of the ego mind is to make things more complicated and intellectualize and, 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 and devalue the heart. Like I'll never forget in that two years of culture shock, I was talking about reverse culture shock. I was at the toes of a woman. I was helping to rebalance the central nervous system. And it was a local client 
um, full-on American. I don't even know if she'd ever traveled out of the country, frankly. Um, and she said, I just, she was talking, giving me an update about what had been going on since the previous session. And, and she was relatively new in her sessions, like maybe third or fourth. She's like, I just have to figure it out. And when I heard that, Gary, I was like reeling back for minutes to get to the part of me that remembered who I would have been to have said that sentence. I just have to figure it out. Because for me, the answers come. I ask the answers mm -hmm. come. You live in alignment. You hear the guidance in, in this, I don't know, this overemphasis on the mind and the devaluing. I mean, we have a beautiful society. I don't mean to sound like I'm totally dissing America. We have really great spirit, really great hearts, but we're not conditioned to value the heart or the spirit, except on Sundays. That, that's possibly. true. And I agree with that 100% that we don't. We don't value that. I mean, we don't necessarily, I don't think we value each other enough either. Well, that would be part of it, wouldn't it? If my mind is busy proving how successful I can be from my Ivy League degree and my level job at a certain level and my 2,500 square foot home and my 2.2 kids and my vehicle, if my measure, the measures of my society to prove I'm successful are external, then that would also not value human interaction other than what can you help me get to? Right. That yeah. would contact. Yeah, so, sometimes network. it's cool. I, I mean, sometimes like, I'll just judge, you know, not uh, judge, but I mean, if I sit next to somebody and I like how their energy makes me feel, then I like that person. I don't care what they have or what they don't have or what they're doing. or You know, I don't care about any of that. You know, it's just like, all right, well, you make me feel good. Totally. Yeah. So, and that's a part of the spiritual awakening times. Where we're all opening to more energy. We just don't know how to operate within our society's current structures in that way. That's why so much change is happening. You know, so many new businesses based on people doing what they love. And, and I believe that in part, COVID was a response to so many Americans saying, I hate this commute. I need time off. I need more space. I don't know. I, I mean, I know that sounds really abstract and euphemistic when we could point to the sources in China, why COVID had spread. But mm -hmm. like there was a life is not ever going to be the same. It served a purpose in America. Yeah, it did. I wouldn't have started this podcast if it wasn't for COVID. I was, I, you know, I'm a creative person. I've always played music or done something like that. And, you know, all that kind of ended with COVID. So I was like, what am I going to do? You know, so I started a podcast. Well, well done. Good choosing. Well, I don't know if I chose it. It sort of just popped into my head during a shower. But. Well, that's the intuitive guidance. And when I say intuitive guidance, I don't mean to diagnose like something wrong. I mean, like to co-create our lives, which is the role that we're stepping into. You create a flow. You get ideas. You create. You make a choice. And now you're creating something out in the physical world to share with others. Or you make a choice like you did on Friday and say no to the sister who couldn't decide and made you feel devalued because she's like, I don't know. And you're like, well, fuck you, you know, <laughs> let me know something better than that. <laughs> That's another example of a choice, you know. Mm -hmm. But when I when I talk about choice so much, of what I mean is that third subtitle of my third book, rather. Um Hold on one second. Let me just say, I always jumble this up. How to activate the field of possibilities where logical magic is the new norm. 
So if you feel like a victim to anything outside of yourself or even your own storylines, it's harder to choose what your heart really wants you to be choosing. And that's as mundane as eat this and not that. So we're meant to be stepping into recognizing the power within our mind, within our choices, within our consciousness. And it's down to what we're creating in our everyday life. Like what you said, the shower bringing while you're in the shower, the idea for the podcast. So I dig and get a lot of joy out of no longer working with like cancer victims, frankly, mm -hmm. uh, or cancer diagnoses. And nowadays just totally working in helping people's fields link up to the field of greater possibilities or the, the Tao is what it's also called. And then learning how to, in daily life, make choices that are going to lead to more heart singing, more lightness, more joy. And in that, you know, the divine has this beautiful gig going on where like love and unity and respect and, and all of those yummy, heartwarming um, energetics that we choose from naturally coincide with as we clear out the back of the head consciousness, like maybe sibling rivalry. And so you have to prove yourself more or maybe the societal conditioning or whatever those sources are. Um, yeah, it just can be, it's meant to be so much lighter. And, and some of us are in the forefront of ushering this new era in and others are flailing. And so that also creates more misalignment. Like there's a clash between the old and the new happening right now before the new paradigm is really here. Mm -hmm. How long do you think that'll, you said it'll end in 2032? That's what um, many different sources say, yes. So he's got to hang in there for another 10 years. Yeah, but Gary, this Six, time in listeners, this next 10 years. So, <laughs> so maybe but I'll get 15 years in to enjoy the new part of it. Yeah, but but it's starting now. That's the thing. Like, like COVID's been hell, and what's happening over on the planet uh, in the Ukraine is hell. And that's the, that's the clash of the old with the new. But the new is here now, and it's accessible now. So we don't have to wait another 10 years. It's just learning how to bring in the new through your own life. And that's what I'm up to day in and day out. That's why I did, and I'm offering in part the spring immersion. Um, you listeners are going to see a link for this. I have a 14-day immersion. It's only my second one I've ever offered so that you can access more direct work with me and get a reading like you heard me do for Gary at the beginning whilst getting a ton of clearings and activations to lighten you up and clear out where you're heavy and dense and choosing choices you don't want to be and getting more attuned with accessing your guidance and then getting more courage through more clearings and activations to actually choose what your guidance is saying because that's a stalling point for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like they hear the guidance and then their ego mind kicks in with a list of excuses nah i don't want to so if you're feeling like tired or lethargic that's a, that's part of what i want to clear out because it's on the planet right now from the time last couple of years we've been living and in order to move into the new i want to help get as much of that negativity and density and weight down off of and out of people so they're lighter and higher of a vibration, so they naturally access higher vibratory thoughts and choices so that we are co-creating the new paradigm sooner. It's lighter sooner. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> and, and, and how do you do that? Like, what are some of the techniques that you use to do that? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, that's where I take people on retreat twice a year over to the Glastonbury, UK, take them to sacred sites and then give them at night manuals and attunements. And we talk about this. It's a lot of training. 
um, it, it's not a lot of training. It's just, it's um, progressive. And so where to start on this interview? How do I do that? Um, so part of it is um, everything I've been talking about, like using my intuition, getting in an altered state. I kind of live in an altered state anyway, but I, mm -hmm. I've learned how to navigate like physical earth. So it's like a whole brain consciousness, that logical magic. So I'm able to use logic at the same, I have a hugely logical mind, but at the same time it's infused with my higher self. So it's like a divine logic. So clearing, first clearing people out of their old heaviness is, is the first thing on them before they could ever work on somebody else. And so how I do that is using my intuition and I have learned that there's certain areas that need clearing some, you know, karma, or old contracts from other lifetimes or trauma or parental imprints or conditioning. And then all that unconscious and subconscious, like conclusions, preferences, um, expectations of this is how it goes for me when I'm like going for a job, but this is how it goes for me when I'm in relationships, like clearing all of that noise and storylines that the ego mind has. So you have the goal is to get more of what's that locked down energy to the front, uh, frontal brain. So it's a more mindful choice you're able to make. The stats are something like 85% of our daily choices are made not from our thoughts we hear, not the conscious mind. I think it's more like 95% of people are making every choice they make in, a daily, in their daily lives from a robotic space. So you know when you learn what you're gonna say. When you say this, like, like we're, you know, I think about these choices, you know, one of the things that, that I, I think anyway is, um, you know, we, we spend so much time focusing on, you know, the brain, the memory, the, yes. the all this stuff. But that's not necessarily where all the memory in actions come from. A lot of it comes from cellular memory. Every cell in the body has its own memory yes. of all these different events. And yes. if you're making, and all that has to be addressed before yes. you can really make conscious decisions, you have to clear out that cellular, cellular memory. That's all that I'm talking about, Gary. I love it because that was my first major was psychology. And one of the conclusions I had is all you're focusing on is the brain, yeah, that's the heart wires. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. So I, I sat back after the third semester and I'm like, you're not showing me how to be the most joyous, happy version of myself and how to help others do that. You're focused on what's wrong and on using this understanding for industrial application and capitalistic application, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, you know, so I left that major and ever since then I've been looking for the holistic models and the more mm -hmm. mystical models um, from around the world. And so what I understand, what I was just starting to say, this is perfect timing is that, okay, so each chakra means wheel from Sanskrit mm -hmm. to English and every yoga pose is actually created around opening a chakra. In the um, yogic teachings, there's eight limbs to yoga. Only one of those eight is about the asanas or the body posture that we do in Western yoga studios. Five of those eight are about working with the mind in consciousness. Buddha took meditation in Buddhism up out of the yoga teachings. Mm -hmm. And he focused on the, the five limbs about the mind and consciousness and created Buddhism. So, I'm saying that because the chakra system, it's a science of subtle energy and how it moves in our body. So if a chakra, every chakra is related to a certain area of life, 
Like the first one is about, um, I have the right to be here. So if you're born into a family and one of the parents doesn't really want to be parenting, you're going to, you sense that ages zero to two, we're totally connected to our parents, their thoughts and feelings. It's no separation Two, no, no terrible twos. Cause you're starting to separate mm-hmm. two to eight forming conclusions about how does life work on planet earth for me? So that gets wired in to the back of the head consciousness. Like when you're learning to drive, Gary, do you say put the car in reverse when your car's, when your Jeep's working anymore? No. Right. But you did when you first learned to drive, right? I don't know. I mean, I started driving. I don't remember. I was, I was like 12 when I started driving. I was stealing people's cars and driving. Around. Okay. But when you were stealing people's cars, you had to know how, what to do to get it to start. So you would say start car. With I, out loud or, I don't know how. <laughs> to, turn, to get the ignition on, you would either hotwire it or you would you knew you had to get the ignition turned on. Yeah. Right? Okay. So you either set it in your mind <laughs> or you said it out loud to a compadre with you stealing the car. Um, <laughs> but that's an, we don't say it anymore as adults once we learn to drive. And that's an example of what goes to the back of the house consciousness in, 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 or to lodged into the subconscious. It's mm-hmm. a learned skill. We don't need a con- at our conscious mind anymore. So memory is cellular. I remember doing research when I was t- in teaching uh, AP Psych in the classroom at the International School in Taiwan, gave my students extra credit to f- do research on um Okay, so with reincarnation, when we're born from one body to another, how, how, does, how does the memories of a past life get contained in the gray puff of smoke that leaves a body as the soul when it dies and then gets incarnated into like one cell, the cell divides and you become an embryo, a fetus, etc. Where is that? And so what I came up with understanding is that it's cellular memory. And so in that cellular memory, if our chakras aren't open, so the second chakra is my right to feel the way I feel. My third, my solar plexus is my right to desire what I desire. Um, fifth is not only about communication, I have the right to her- be heard and speak, but it's also about uh, choosing and co-creating and courage. So I could go on, I won't, but the point is, is that whatever the trauma is or whatever the karma is or whatever the contract, like if you have a contract in a past life, you were in a religious order and you took a vow or, of uh, poverty, and you, you didn't clear that for whatever reasons it stayed really lodged in your memory. Like it was a really austere life. Um, or you were taught, you took a vow of self-flagellation in the, in the church back in like the middle, the medieval times or middle ages. Then that, if there was like extreme punishing with the self-flagellation, that would stay in your cellular memory. I mean, I've had to clear these things out. I'm not pulling these examples out of the air. This is from actually working with tens of thousands of people at this point. So, if your chakras, so that memory gets lodged in the area of the body where that, that's relevant to that chakra, the issue. Uh, if it's sexual abuse, usually it's sacral and root and a couple of secondary ones. Um, if it's, I'm a, I don't have the right, if it's um, be seen but not heard, obviously that's the throat chakra and secondarily it's the third chakra. So that wheel doesn't turn by the life force energy or chi. The wheel that a chakra is, it's immobilized. So the life force doesn't get into that. If a chakra is an intersection of the mind, the body, and the spirit, then it doesn't get to the area of the mind, the body, or the spirit that that chakra is covering. So that means the cellular memory, like you're talking about, is locked down in that area. So I use clearings and activations to loosen that up so that it's all flowing throughout all of the meridians or the nadis, all the subtle energy channels, 
and then you have more access to more consciousness at the conscious mind level, then you're able to make more mindful choices. So how do you do that? Can you just turn a person upside down and just shake all that stuff out? Yes. Inversion tables, 10 minutes a day. That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I miss my inversion table, actually. <laughs> I got to get another one now that I move. Yeah, they're good. Um, so, I mean, it's a process. It's not, I, I would love to say on these podcast interviews that I do, I do hundreds and hundreds of them. Um, it's a quick fix, but it's not. It's, it, I mean, like you could go and listen to a YouTube video of sound healing for the third chakra, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're clearing anything. It just might mean that you're empowering it. What I'm talking about is using my intuition, going in, like going in and hearing the, what is blocking that person and then running a clearing on it, bringing in high vibration, clarifying light to release it and then activating the positive form of that message. So you could think of it as negative messaging, clearing it, and then activating in the positive messaging. So it releases it. it and then after that, that's the energy medicine. And then I, when I'm working with somebody in my bigger programs, um, then I'm able to directly work with them and help them make new choices because the mind has that momentum. And even when there is a clearing done, the mind wants to pull you back. The trigger's gone. It's not automatic anymore, but the mind has momentum. So that applied mindfulness coaching to how to make new choices comes to play. And I run more clearings on like allowing yourself to now choose a woman who won't date two people at once, for example, or allowing yourself to be more clear right from the beginning of what you want. I'm not saying that I'm getting this is not in what is what you did that led to that. It's not at all. I'm right. not using intuition there. I want to be clear. Um, so how's that for an answer starting? It makes sense. I mean, obviously, I wish it was simpler, you know. I, I wish you could just wave a couple crystals over my head and everything would be cool. But unfortunately. Why do you think we're in the state, Gary? I love what you're saying. That's why we're where we are, right? Because it's not, it used to be only people would go to ashrams and the special people would do this kind of intensive work. All of us are meant to be doing it now in order to help our earth clear its heaviness because we're connected as well as to move into this new era. And it's not, I've made it, like the question I had that led me to choose Asian international teaching, my hands were over a woman. It was a third of 10 sessions. We were both stoked about the results she was getting. And I looked up and said, oh, great. How can I get even more robust results for my clients? And within six months, I was committed to the international teaching system, had done the interviews, gone, flown, submitted applications, flown to where I needed to, international school heads from around the world, like candidates like me, all flew in. I interviewed with a bunch of uh, schools around the world and then chose Taiwan because I wanted to increase my understanding so that I could get more robust results for my clients. So nowadays, Gary, I'm looking at somebody who's worked with me for two years and she's getting results that it took me five years to get. So while it can sound complicated, I am consistently still operating from that foundational question of what would it take to get even more robust results on behalf of my clients? I see it showing up still. I'm still getting improvements. And that's what the spring immersion I'm offering is because it's a way to help people see what else is possible by the way they feel. I mean, you can hear my words. Mm -hmm. I used to have a free monthly call every month for 10 years. 
and I would run clearings on people talking less. I talk a whole lot more nowadays since I've been back in America. I used to run energy medicine sessions in silence and let the energy medicine do the work. So uh, that was before I brought in and created vibrational upgrade system and understood that the coaching on the applied mindfulness was needed. But I was guided to always let people feel the shift from a clearing and activation because then you know something else is possible. Even when you shifted at the beginning mm-hmm. from the intuitive coaching that I, 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 I did, you know, that's an example um, so that people, so that you can override almost your ego mind. Like if there's a program and it costs you money and you don't want to dish out the money, your ego mind's going into self-sabotage, for example, or the time you, you, you mind saying, Oh God, what am I going to have to do? And it doesn't, it wants to be lazy. So it doesn't do the program. That's going to lead to mm-hmm. more opening. You know, I mean, they're both common excuses and, and it's the ego mind wanting to keep you under its control rather than the higher self coming in and really owning your life. And when I say owning, I mean, you have a lot more freedom of choice. I don't want to make it sound like, you know, you're restricted to being owned by the divine. I used the weird word there. I've never called it owning. That was interesting. How does that sound to you, Gary? The, the, your higher self owns you more than your ego mind. How does that come across? It makes sense to me, honestly. It doesn't sound bad, you know. I, okay. It certainly sounds a whole lot better than being owned by my ego. Yeah. Being owned by my ego is like living in a freaking nightmare. Yeah, it doesn't make good choices. <laughs> the only thing I like about my ego is my ego thinks I'm the greatest podcaster in the world. Yeah. That part of my ego I like. But the rest of it, I could do without. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good it's a good structure. It helps us navigate the physical plane. There's so much multidimensional data that we could be picking up on. And so it puts thresholds on our five physical senses to keep us like able to deal with the physical plane. It has virtue, it has value. It just needs to be put in its place. Hmm. I suppose I, I haven't quite figured that part all out for myself yet, you know, because I do come from, you know, a, a Buddhist tradition that, that, that talks about, you know, going beyond the ego, reaching enlightenment, stuff like that. Um, and even like in, in, in the Zen tradition, you know, when you're doing things, you know, you're kind of like wiping the ego away. And just kind of going with whatever's in front of you in that particular second. Nothing else is real, not even you. Um, so I, I, you know, and I haven't reached that yet. I, I still trip myself up yet. Nobody else is tripping me up. It's me that trip, my ego that trips me up. And then I can blame other people for it. Yeah. Which, is always, which is always nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always easier to just blame someone else or something else rather than, you know, deal. With I do that. Tr- I still do it. Yeah, I think it's a it's a um, a mechanism we're completely conditioned to beyond it being an internal mechanism of the ego mind itself to deflect responsibility, um, and that's a main part of what we're coming out of. You know, I mean, you could look at the polarity and the juxtaposition of the two different views in America politically, and you can see there's a victim mentality that blames others, and then there's taking self-responsibility 
it's it's peaking. The fever is breaking before the fever breaks. Rather, it's peaking. I don't know. My, my view on the political situation in America is you have a communist group that wants to control everything. And then on the other side, there's a group that, to me, is almost like a Christianized version of the Taliban. <laughs> really, like, like after living in Alabama for five years, I mean, honestly, that's what it was like. They are a Christian version of the Taliban. If they could cut off a non-Christian's head, they will. They would do it. Not, and not feel bad for it. So you have these two really bizarre extremes. Yeah, but they're extremes at this point. And, 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 and neither of them are, are what I want. You know? Right, but they're extremes, and that's the point. And they're very different. Like, if we were to look into communism, like, my first career was in politics. And I have a master's in public administration focusing on environmental policy. And it is not what I used because I got that change is going to happen systemically. We got to go one consciousness at a time. And so it's peaking right now, it, whether it's in, in communism, you know, the element of communism is shared or unity or brotherhood or sisterhood. The element of um, the other side that you talked about is demonstration of power. I know a lot of loving, soft, kind, spiritual, passionate people who have a hell of a time approaching their own power. They'll do anything to sabotage it and then expressing their own power, like saying, I have this preference is uncomfortable because they don't want to make it disharmonious. So I, I, I mean, I remember on a free monthly call, like around 2013, a woman's like, Dr. Allison, do you? She talked about a story. She was getting bullied. And she's like, do you feel like I just need to toughen up? And I checked in with my intuition. And I was surprised. And I said, yeah. But that struck a chord in me from there on in because I was like, oh, my God. So in this rebalancing that's happening between the material and the spiritual, it's also this kind of rebalancing where the soft, empathic, tenderhearted, caring people need to toughen up and learn to be more comfortable with displays of power. And whereas the power people who are used to abusing it need to have some softening and some unity. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really intense yet totally auspicious time to be on planet Earth right now. And each of us here signed up for it. So, I mean, like, I wonder what it looked like if you all um, felt more comfortable with it and, and were excited about the lives you were creating and that we're co-creating together because it can become and it's meant to be such a different version and we're seeing it poke out now. I see signs of it. Like I gave the examples of abundance for all during COVID. Yeah. Um, I do have to run, though. Um, how do you feel about that? Is it a good place to complete? Or are you just getting ready to ask a question? You want to ask that? Well, I just the only thing is, like, I don't remember signing up for this. You know, I think I just signed up for I, the sex and chocolate cake. Yeah, I hear you. I do. I hear you. And, 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 and that, honestly, Gary, is part of why I'm offering this immersion in um, starting on April 1st is because I feel like we don't know how to get unstuck. There has been a saturation of ego. Freaking neutral. There you go. <laughs> Seriously, genuinely. You know, I mean, the expression that you just gave, I mean, we've gotten spoiled with the internet and the instant gratification applied to the spiritual industry that it's become now. 
you know? And mm-hmm. so we want things to be easier. And, and, and I've been asking, I wonder what it would feel like to have everything be a thousand times easier. I'm a fan of ease too. And it genuinely comes in. Um, but there is a little bit of work, man, to get to a consciousness that can allow that ease in and know how to choose the ease. And that's cued to the ease instead of cued to the difficulty and the struggle. Mm. So I, I hear you, though. I mean, chocolate cake and I mean, I gained the COVID. What is it called? The COVID-10 or the COVID-5? I, get, I was like freshman 10 again. I did it, you know, and I'm a personal trainer, for God's sakes. <laughs> but it was it was an indulgence in a way. Um, and, and I think also all the meditation apps that came up out of COVID and like you and your podcast, people, you know, in that battle between like lower self and higher self, it's really prominent. Absolutely. So, yeah, it, it has been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, likewise, um, sir. Thank you. Email me that link afterwards so I have it in my email because that way I'll remember it. And, um, and I'll put that in the notes of the episode so my listeners can check out the, uh, the Rebirth Spring Immersion Session. And also go on your website and buy your books and anything else that they can get there. Because I know that you have some classes. I saw that you have some some chakra meditations on there and all kinds of different things for people to check out. And, uh, yeah, it's been great. Thanks for being on. It's been my honor. I, I'm going to email you now just to make sure it gets done. So I'm sorry. <laughs> and I can't um, see your phone on Zoom. No but, problem. Um, the chakra series that you just talked about, Gary, mm-hmm. you guys can go self-assess on that page, um, which chakras are blocked, and there's uh, free clearings for a minute or two underneath those. So if you want to just get started somehow, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, thanks again. Thanks. And, uh, I'm gonna, and I'm just going to play the outro.